Tina Waldrum. I'm the host of this podcast. This show is all about giving you, the listener, actionable insights to share your faith. I interview church leaders and congregation members alike to gain some understanding that both you and I can implement to share Jesus. Every week I work hard to locate and interview someone who can share their experience. Can you do me a favour? Would you mind sharing today's episode with one or two people that you know? One or two people that would be encouraged, that would be helped by today's content. Just copy the link and send it on via text or email. I'd love to see more people encouraged to share their faith. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win-Win Evangelism Podcast. My name's Tina Waldrum and today I'm speaking with Charles Chrisapuli, who's the Senior Pastor at Uni Hill. We're talking about the fascinating topic of serving your community with no strings attached. Welcome to you, Charles. Thank you, Tina. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, exciting to be here. It's a big topic, Charles, of actually serving your community with no strings attached. It's it's hard to uh, kind of wrap our heads around that when we're all very passionate about wanting to share our faith and share Christ with others. Why is it so important that we actually do serve without strings attached? Uh, for me, I believe it's it's what the Bible says to do. I've, I've always landed in that scripture in Matthew where it talks about Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, but then love your neighbor as yourself. And, and for me, I feel like, uh, if you're going to love somebody well and love someone properly, uh, you've got to do it without strings attached. I, I don't believe in forcing agendas. I just believe in genuinely, uh, loving and encouraging people, uh, whether that be in our community, whether that be within the church, the sporting club. I just think you've got to love without strings attached because, uh, if you're trying to get something from them or something out of it, uh, is that, I don't think that's necessarily love. Well, that's very true, but it's hard to do, isn't it? Because I guess like you're a senior pastor and let's be honest, we all want results. So how do you actually resolve that in your own mind? Yeah, I know that's, it is a challenge. Uh, I think that the results are still there. Uh, it's a matter of, uh, what your scoreboard is. Uh, I mean, loving people in itself should be the reward. You're representing God, uh, to the community. You're representing God, uh, to the people around you. And, uh, I think if you're trying to quantify it based on, uh, their response, you're not going to get very far. I-, I think it needs to be about your heart before God, uh, how you're, how you're, um, trying to be obedient and active in your faith. I, I think for me, um, I would prefer see a young person uh, who's trying to develop and, and walk out their faith, take a step of faith by loving someone with no agenda rather than trying to get a result for an event or a hand raised. Uh, I, I think God doesn't look at that stuff uh, the way we do. He's more concerned with the end game or the long game rather than the instant result. So I think that if you love in a manner that is purely to love them the way God loves them, I think the results will follow. And I think you have to teach your communities to do that. I don't want our church to be filled with people that are responding emotionally. I want our churches to be filled with people that are connected to God and connected to their community because they feel loved. Yeah, that's a great answer. I love that answer. I'm so excited just (laughs) listening to you. I'd like to ask you about Hope Centre and also Hope Tour, which are two um, initiatives that you're involved in that I guess really do typify 
how we can actually serve our communities with no strings attached. So tell me what the Hope Centre is. So I call it, it's a bridge uh, is what we like to say to our team about it into the church. So uh, I feel loving God is that hands up. I feel that loving our community is that hands out. And so what we've done with the Hope Center is it's a community center. It just so happens to be a, a warehouse that we were able to purchase behind our church. Uh, we ended up cutting a wall in the back of it to create an entry uh, from our car park, but it is literally for community outreach. So we've got a counseling center in there. Uh, we have a food program that runs in there. We have a play group that runs in there and they're primarily accessed by people in our community. Now they know that we're a church. They know that we love them, but our agenda is not to build Uni Hill Church as the brand or Hope Centre as the brand. Our motive is to love and care for them. And, And often with the fruit of that is there are open hearts. But those guys that come, we have a food program that runs weekly. Uh, those guys come, they engage fresh fruit, dairy, produce like that. And initially they come and they're a little bit suspicious around, okay, this is a church. I'm not sure what this is about, but I need the service. And then quickly what happens within a few months, because the team is so genuine, they're sticking around, they're having food, they're having a coffee, they're asking for prayer, but that doesn't happen instantly. See, what what needs to happen is they first need to know that you genuinely love them. And then with that, suspicion turns into an open heart. Uh, but you can't do that if you're trying to get an outcome straight away. Uh, I remember once sitting at a conference, uh, I'm sure you've heard it, there are many different examples, whether it's the clock face or whether it's a uh, a green banana or a yellow banana. Uh, I think there are multiple different engagements with Christians that need to happen before a heart is open to the gospel and before they're ready to receive it. So often what we need to do as a team is we ask them to be the gospel, but you don't necessarily need to preach it. Do it in the way that you love it. Do it in the way that you serve, the way that you ask about their families, the way that you listen. And what's been happening over time, especially throughout the last couple of years, which you would understand with COVID, is that it's grown about 300, 400% our community outreach as far as the amount of families we're reaching. Um, but what's happened, it's been a two-year journey. Um, uh, just recently, we had a conference. One of the guys that originally connected with us through the conference was invited, but felt like the church was now a safe place to be in. Not only did he respond to the gospel at that conference, he's now getting baptized this coming weekend. Now, that wasn't an instant process. That was multiple years of loving, multiple years of friendship, multiple years of encouragement to him as a person. And now, because of that, it's been, it's been the love of God that has emanated through our lives that he now sees and is understanding that our purpose and our calling and our desire is that he'd have the same love uh, for God and, and living in him is that we do. So, you know, it's a process that you can't rush. And that, that's the key. I think that if you're going to truly love without strings attached, it means that you're not after an outcome, yet your, your desire is simply to love. Yeah, it's so fantastic, Charles, because I think that's something that we can all do, like as an individual follower of Christ and as churches, we can actually train and encourage people just to simply do that, to not be stuck on, oh, I'm having to, I have to say something about Jesus. And it's just a lot more relaxed in, and genuine in its approach. Oh, absolutely. I think forcing the conversation direction isn't necessarily listening to the lead of the Holy Spirit. 
you know, the Holy Spirit knows what's going on in that individual's life. That he, he's, he's brought them to you for a purpose. But the key, I, I think it's more important to be listening than it is to be speaking. Hear where the person's at. Hear what they're working through and, and walking through. Whether they're in trials, whether there's something to celebrate with. But all of that genuine relationship can't come when in your mind while they're talking, you're trying to lead it a certain way. Because then you're not fully listening to, to who they are and, and what they're walking through. So I think the key is in listening. And, and you say, right, anybody can listen. And then based off listening, the Holy Spirit will lead you in what to say. That's why he's placed you there. Yeah, it absolutely is about listening. And I love that comment of you can't be genuinely listening to people if you're trying to drive something and it's not, you know, serving without those strings attached. So, yeah, wonderful. I heard an amazing story that during COVID, um, your Hope Centre saw a lot of um, community people engage with prayer during Zoom. Tell me about that. Oh, it was amazing. And, and uh, you know, all glory to God. We, we had several people on staff at our church that are diehard evangelists and they just so love our community. And, and what happened is, as you would expect, there are a lot of people isolated, feeling lonely. And, and at the time, living in the northeastern suburbs of Melbourne, we were only allowed five people in the building on a Sunday. Uh, so the guys on the team came to me with an idea that here is a way we think that we can facilitate ministering to these people and praying with these people because they're asking for prayer but still involve a whole bunch of people from our community. So what happened is we were allowed to continue with our food program being an essential service and those that came in were invited to a Zoom. There were a lot of people saying, uh, you know, the team often says, hey, if there's ever anything you want us to pray for, you let us know. Uh, and that's pretty much it generally in the conversation. But a lot of prayer requests started coming in. So in the middle of COVID lockdown, we had a prayer meeting on Zoom with about 50 or so people. Of that 50, there was about 20 from our church, our team, prayed up, educated on what we want to do to do it appropriately. And then we had about 30 people from community uh, come into the Zoom meeting and we put them into breakout rooms and then they were able to present their prayer request to a team member, uh, introduce themselves, build another relationship, and then just have our team pray a word of encouragement over their situation or, or, or pray for healing or pray against anxiety. So we had multiple people that have never come to church, would never set foot inside the doors of a church, but I connected with our community program and through that relationship felt that they were comfortable and they were safe to jump on a Zoom meeting in their own home and ask for prayer. So it was an incredible time. And, and what it did for our church is a person can jump into Zoom anywhere. So all of a sudden they were out building community with their neighbours, the ones that lived directly next door, and then seeing if they had any prayer requests. We ended up inviting a, a guy who used to be a colleague of mine, who when I working in a secular organisation, uh, ran into him through the workplace, then ended up uh, inviting him to the prayer meeting. He brought his wife. We prayed for his kids. Uh, it was fantastic. I've never seen this guy at church. Uh, we were able to share the love of Jesus uh, in a practical sense. And and there was just incredible fruit that, that came from it. Now often we see those same guys, that they're stepping into church or they're asking for prayer in the car park. Uh, but once again, uh, this has been through genuine relationship. It was nothing that was forced. If people didn't want to come, 
They didn't have to come. If we had have had, we could, we would have put on the prayer meeting for one person. We would have put on the prayer meeting for two people. It wasn't about the amount. It was about the obedience in, Hey, this is what I believe. I genuinely love you and I truly believe it can help. So that's what we did. And uh, it was, it was phenomenal. It was, it was absolutely stressful. But you know, Craig Rochelle says we often, we often don't float towards the things that are fruitful. We, we float towards the things that are easy. And uh, this was not easy. But man, it was fruitful, so it was worth doing. That is so encouraging to hear. And I'm just thinking, wow, how many people myself could I invite? You know, friends that I know saying, hey, I'm going to have a prayer meeting online and pray for needs. It's just extraordinary, the things that have come out of COVID. So tell me about the Hope Tour or Hope Tour, as you um, call it, which is another way that as a church you're interfacing with community and with no strings attached, being able to serve young people. What's that all about? So Hope Tour is a uh, schools-based self-worth and encouragement program. Once again, in trying to listen to our community, I I think a big thing about a local church is that if God has placed you in a local arena, you need to figure out what the local needs are. You can't do that without listening. Now, Hope Tour has now grown beyond our our local area. It's actually moved into multiple different states and multiple different regions across uh, Victoria, Canberra, uh, Queensland this year as well. But what it simply is, is it was a means at which we could love local schools and we could encourage them. So there was a need is that obviously we know post-COVID and pre-COVID that in Australia, uh, the incidence amongst uh, self-harm, suicide amongst young people is one of the highest in the world. Uh, and, and we wanted to be positive and, and be encouraging to local schools. So it, it literally started with a dream that we would go in and we would strengthen young people uh, without strings attached. Once again, that there is no, we say to the schools, we, you don't need to tell them where we've come from. Uh, you don't, they know, and we make it very clear where we've come from, but all we want to do, we will provide the opportunity. We will provide the equipment. We'll provide the program. We just need your young people and your permission. I even give them the program. And, and, and what happened is it's really, it's built over uh, the last few years to the point we, we've got currently coming this year in August, uh, the 2020 winner of The Voice, Chris Sebastian. Uh, we pull in a, an act from Canberra called Culture Break. There's a magician called Andino and they all build on the element of don't be deceived, you have self-worth, you're important. People want to encourage you. People want to hear your story. And what, what's happened is that, uh, over the years now, cause this has been happening for about six years. I think we're approaching around a uh, hundred thousand, uh, students that we've seen. Schools start in, uh, suspicion. They, they, they get our, our program. They allow us to come in. But then what it is, is open doors. So now, now we have multiple schools that go, Hey, come in, do pre- breakfast programs. Uh, you can speak about your faith. Some, some Christian schools have said, now you can come in and, and do whatever you want. And there's a large demographic of obviously people that don't go to church, don't know Christ in Christian schools, but it's primarily in public schools. But, but what, what happens is through loving without strings attached, we've been there. I still remember, uh, sitting in a school. And uh, a teacher came in with with a particular opinion on on who we are because they knew. And by the end of the program, she was crying. She said the quality and the genuineness of the team has has blown my mind. We we have students that come up to us that go, 
Why are you here? Why would you bring something this cool, this particular act or, or, or star to our school? Why would you do it? And, and the team just simply say, because you're important, you know, because we believe in you and because we want to encourage your school. Uh, but what, what's happening now is that uh, schools are now coming to us. They're saying, hey, we have a need that, that you, we feel you could meet because what we try to do is genuinely build relationships. I don't want to fly in and fly out once a year. So we, we put regional leaders in place that say to these schools, now, if you have a need during the year, we can come in with the same agenda to help you and to serve you. But what happens is that as those uh, relationships are built, they now, they now come to us and say, here's multiple areas where you can come in and you can serve us and, and you can do whatever you need to do, but we want your help. But that's been, that's been transformative because it's been something that we've remained consistent in. Uh, but the other thing I, I think that is an advantage is it begins to teach young people and young leaders, especially millennials. Like Barna say the statistics with, with millennials is that there, there is like up to 40 plus percent of them aren't even sure whether they want to share their faith. And, 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 and what this does is, it gives them mission and, and, and it gives them a, a reason why serving is important. It's like, well, actually, the reason why we want to be about our faith, we want to live out our faith, is because there are many, many young people in our community that need to see the hope that lives in you through Jesus Christ. And, and, and they go in there and, and they get mission. Like we've got this one young lady, her name's Shannon. She, she has been on every hope tour that's exist. She's introverted. She's shy. Five years later, she's leading kids in, in the, in the atmosphere within the program. She's looking for opportunities to connect. She, she understands now what it is, uh, to be aware, uh, when the Holy Spirit is saying, here's somebody that needs encouragement. And, and I think through that mission, they're developing a desire for evangelism. And through that mission, they're understanding that the way that you do it is love people the way you love yourself. And, um, uh, you know, love God and then love your neighbor. And, uh, they're living it out. So it's been, it's been an incredible, uh, time. Are, are we, are we seeing people? I suppose the question, it always comes back to that whole, yes, but Charles, uh, if there's no strings attached, where are the results? You know, a lot of people, a lot of pastors out there that might be listening go, all right, that sounds like locally you've invested a lot of money. So where are the results? In, in the fact that you've invested a lot of money. Well, I look at it from the perspective of there are young people being discipled. The, the, the passion that it births in them, because this thing that happens is a miracle. In Victoria, we do five different regions. We do school after school after school. We see 20 schools in a week for a one hour program and we tell them the day. We tell them the time and it happens every year to the point now where it's not even hard to fill it up. But these young people are pushed into the faith arena because they go, wow, I actually need to engage community. So then they're calling up going, I don't have any school relationships. I only love the kids that are in the church, which is great. But God loves the kids outside the church just as much. And so what happens is they're going, all right, I have to go and try and engage a school. And then once they get on the tour, then they're praying, Father, I need you to move every day. I need you to provide opportunity. So what happens is it makes them step out in faith, but then it stirs that passion within them. Now, I know many senior pastors that would come to me and say, I would pay what it takes to get our young people on mission and our young people passionate about reaching the lost. So can you quantify it? You can. Absolutely. Look at the young people. 
I look at the passion. Look at how I, I don't look at the scoreboard as a a night rally. We do a night rally on a Friday, and, and we don't go after. We don't go after thousands of young people. We could, but what we go after is engaging every single young person that's in a youth ministry to try and engage one person in their school. So then effectively the youth ministries double, but you put every kid on mission. You've, you've stirred every kid's faith to be obedient and you stirred their passion. And then what we do is we encourage them, hey, follow up those young people. So I, I think that a lot of, a lot of pastors traditionally, I mean, I have been a senior pastor three years, Tina. I don't really know everything. I don't know what I'm doing, honestly. I remain on my knees and I say, Father, follow me. But what I do know is that you need to put your money towards ministering your to your people, but ministering to your community. And I, I think that often it, it doesn't always translate straight away with people raising their hand in a service. But But God isn't interested in whether they've raised their hand in a service. He's interested in whether they have a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ and that they're being formed as a disciple. And I, and I think the best way to do that is love community because then they trust you. Then they come into your church not feeling like there's an agenda, but rather that they're coming in going, where is this love that they have for one another coming from? Because I want to be a part of it and I want it in my life. Uh, so Hope Tools really stirred that within our church. Uh, every every person uh, is on, on board with it, but then every person participates in different ways. So in loving our community uh, and doing the school's program, we, ha- we have a tribe of the elderly that pray every night. They gather every night of Hope Tour and what they're doing is they're praying for opportunities to love our community. So then they're beginning to think outwardly and then it stirs something in their spirit. You know, there are business people in our church that go, well, I need to love our community so I'll support it financially. So then they're being stirred about loving the community. But I think that if we as the church don't find ways to love the community and not expect anything but other that to be obedient to God and let him move, uh, then we'll, we'll quickly be, be full of agenda and, and, and full of disappointment. But when you get out there and go, hey, this is the mandate God gives us. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. You fulfill it before you've even begun. Yeah, absolutely. So much wisdom and and so much passion, Charles. Three years as a senior minister. Well, it's just wonderful to see you leading with such a wonderful attitude and disposition towards Christ in this area. So I'm going to drop in our show notes today um, for our listeners, just links so that you can go and check out these things that Charles and Uni Hill Church are involved in. But just love that attitude of serving and loving your community with no strings attached. So important. And there's so many more questions I have, but unfortunately we are out of time. But I have a lot to think about. So thank you so much, Charles, for giving your time. No worries. Thank you for having me.